Consciousness is always evolving, and our present perception becomes our conscious reality. Is life happening for you, or is it happening to you? A life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing your values. You are perfectly human, and even when we stumble, we still stumble forward. If you seek truth and move in love, then you're family. I invite you to have a seat at our table. You are listening to an authentic outlier, the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. My insight on triggers are, I believe they're actually, I consider them blessings for me. I consider triggers to be guides of sorts. I believe that triggers represent areas of ourselves that are unresolved. It's an area that's unresolved. So it still remains a trigger. You know, a child gets bit by a dog that develops a phobia of dogs. That child grows up to be a teenager, then an adult, and then, but still at, at 40 something years old, still jumps when they see a dog. Now, clearly that is, uh, we can easily connect that to something that happened in the past, a traumatic event that happened in the past. But what that represents is a trigger. She's actually, he or she is responding to a traumatic event that happened much earlier in their life. And so understand when we talk about triggers, don't allow people to misuse triggers. A trigger is connected to a previous experience that was traumatic for you. If it wasn't, if, the, if what you're experiencing is not connected to a previous traumatic experience, then it's not a trigger. It may be a trauma, a current trauma that you're experiencing, but it's not a trigger. All right. Because I don't want to, I, we use words and we got to understand the power of words and the definitions behind these words. And so I got to just bring some is that soulness into this area in the name of clarity and preciseness and accurate, accuracy. And so a trigger is connected to a previously a traumatic experience. A trigger is something that happens in the present that then sends you back in time mentally to a previously experience that was uh, traumatic. So again, my outlier perspective is that. Triggers are unresolved areas. I believe that they are blessings because these unresolved areas actually hinder us in ways that we don't realize. If you were told that you couldn't sing, for example, as a child, even though you had a beautiful voice, now all of a sudden, every time you think about singing, even though you really want to, you just can't find that, that courage to just go on and just let it out. Why? That trigger is still there. Every single time that you think about singing, you go back to that traumatic experience of being told that you couldn't sing or that you sounded bad, even though you love to sing. So these, these, these traumas that we have, these triggers that we have, understand that when we don't deal with our trauma, it deals with us. And so these triggers, what they do is the reason why it's so electrifying, I believe, and why we become so hypervigilant when we're triggered is because it forces us to look back into a time period, into a space, a moment, part of our story that we don't want to look at. And the reason why we don't want to look at it, I found, is because of shame. It represents some sort of shame for us. And so triggers force us to look back at something that's unresolved, something that we've called shame, embarrassment, whatever, fear. Really, at the at the root of it is fear. All of it is fear. And so we, we, we turn away from that. But then when we are triggered, we find ourselves looking right back at that previous experience that still remains unresolved. And so what happens is if we lean into that discomfort and understand why that still remains unresolved and discover that truth, lean into that pain, understanding that our pain has a purpose and discover that truth that's there. Whatever we left down, we pick it back up. Now we are free. We're no longer bound to that thing that we were running away from, which really represents our shame. And understand this, my final thought on shame uh, for the outlier's perspective is that shame represents who we are not. 
You know, we have to look, we got to say, is that so to a lot of this shame that we carried around for no reason, y'all. We got to just, is that so some of that stuff? Well, all of that stuff, because it's all junk. I can tell you it's all junk because shame, we're repulsed by our shame. We're repulsed by our shame. Notice that every single thing that we like, we are drawn to, be it a favorite color, be it a favorite food, be it a favorite, favorite person. We are drawn to things based off of similarities. What draws us is, is a reflection of ourselves in the other. And so our shame does not represent who we are, but who we are not. But it's hypnotic and it captivates us and we stay trapped in that hypnotic state for so long, that illusion of, uh, of uh, that trance of unworthiness for so long, because we look at that so long that we confuse it with us because whatever we stare at becomes our reality. How do we navigate rejection? How do you navigate rejection? Please elaborate. Please teach the people. I need to learn. So from based on my experience, I feel like mm-hmm. nobody can really teach you. You teach yourself and mm-hmm. life is going to teach you, teach you how you need to learn. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like rejection to me is redirection. And it's a good thing to be rejected. You're not supposed to be for everyone. You know, you're not supposed to be everywhere either, which is fine. You're not for everybody. And that's great because you're uniquely you. And in spaces that you're supposed to be in, you're going to be there no matter what. Mm -hmm. So often we look at rejection and, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, no, it's it's okay. Like, you know, you know, you're going to experience emotions. You're going to be frustrated and mad. But once you learn to just accept the rejection. So acceptance, I would say, will be a key factor. Just accept the rejection and move on. And you'll see why. It'll make sense later on why that didn't work for you, because there's something ahead that's going to be way better and going to fit your needs the way that it needs to. What is self-compassion and how do how do we become more compassionate to ourselves like in general? So I feel like this just goes back to being authentic self. You know better than anybody what's going to work for you. What might work for me might not work for you and what works for you might not work for me. So you just mm. need to learn what works for you. There's different things you can, well, that I do. I know meditation is one of my big ones whenever I'm feeling anxious or I need to clear myself or just come back and ground. I know that I can meditate. Some people like to draw. That's fine. Paint, show their artistic side. Some people need to be left alone, which is okay. So just, again, sitting with yourself and sitting with the pain and identifying ways in which you can help yourself. Because you know yourself better than anybody else ever will. You're right about that. You are right about that. (laughs) You you, you know, you're talking about being compassionate toward yourself. Also, maybe just highlight, you know. Uh, sparked the word compassion in my mind and it, it made it connected to you being a mental health advocate. And I just wanted to ask you real quick, when you say mental health advocate, what do you, you know, what do you mean by that? I mean, so from my own experience for a, a while, I've dealt, dealt with anxiety. And so when I was going through these times where I had really bad anxious thoughts and I would react in ways that I didn't understand and other people around me didn't understand, it was really frustrating that stage mm-hmm. of my life to nag- navigate through life itself. So mm-hmm. when I'm an I advocate, when I say I'm an advocate, I mean understanding that even though it's there's stigmas around mental health, it's okay to experience symptoms and mm-hmm. it's okay to speak about it and to seek help when needed. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And just creating a safe space for other people who might be suffering as well. What do we do when we have a painful experience? 
So the best way I know how to cope with painful experiences is, again, just by sitting in that experience, you know, and allowing myself time to feel that experience. Oftentimes before I used to try to suppress negative emotions, quote unquote negative emotions, but they're just emotions that we all have. And what will happen, that emotion is going to come back. It's going to come back until you sit there and really assess it. That emotion is going to come right back. And I think that ties right back into the introductory when you discussed about triggers. And that's basically what it is. If you're feeling pain towards something, it means you haven't healed from that something. You're only having that reaction because there's something deep down below that still hasn't been assessed yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we are always in the process of, of, it seems like, as we collide and do our dance with our various dance partners throughout life, be it a business partner, romantic partner, friendship, or someone you block eyes with in a grocery store. As we do the dance and we collide into each other, it seems like there's always opportunities for us to grow through these, even through our triggers. Definitely through our triggers, we grow. It's a growing pain and much of life is growing pain. But I, but, but when I think about that, you know, how many collisions have we had in our life and we've been completely unaware that there was an opportunity to grow through that experience? You know, how many of us have actually leaned into the discomfort, sitting with our emotions, like you said, you know, being compassionate towards ourselves and allowing ourselves to process that through and understand the truth so we don't have to repeat that life pattern, continue our entire life bound to this one thing that we're running away from? I agree with what you were saying, especially like with sitting with pain with different situations that we go through. I mean, and really we don't, one thing I was thinking about is like, we don't really go through through things. We grow through things. And that's how you're supposed to approach it. If, it, if it's a situation that you learn from, you can't say that you lost. You, you know, you can't say that, you know, it was a bad situation. You can't attach labels to it because it, it helps you in a certain kind of way. Like you said, and when you look back, you'll notice, oh, okay, this is why I went through it. So, I mean, as far as comments, I, I agree with what y'all were talking about. It's real good information. And I also like when you said then yellow that rejection is redirection. That's that's a that's a great way to look at that. You know. So and and that's and that's what I'm about. Look, being as optimistic and positive about things as possible. That's that's how I'm getting through most of what I go through right now. Mm. Yeah. Right now. Yep. There we go. But with pain, pain is just one of the factors that we may face that we are going to face in life because it's it, it's going to happen along the life along your life. But just because you experience pain doesn't mean that there are other things that you can focus on. And at the time when you're going through it, it's going to be extremely difficult. You know, there's not going to be sunshines and rainbows. But once you can shift your attention and then just take away the hyper focus on the pain, just start focusing on other things. And you can begin small. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's as much as there's people that may not like you. There's tons of people that love you. Mm-hmm. You just have to shift that focus. So, yeah, going, going back on how experiences and pain and how they really just build you up. And at the time, you're not going to really. Under- well, I didn't understand why, but now I understand. And I, I know that you guys have the same understanding or similar understanding because we're here today speaking on something that we had to go through in order to bring us to this moment. Mm-hmm. And I, I really st- started thinking about like when I first like was really, really like going through it and I was anxious and I was like at my rock bottom I guess and I told my father and I remember he 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 didn't really say much he just looked at me and he was just like you're blessed to have this experience and you're blessed to have the feelings that you're feeling right now and at the time I was so upset I was so upset I was looking at this man like huh was like did you not understand like did you did you not listen to what I was telling you but now that I'm in a better headspace and 
you know, I moved into optimism, as mentioned before. It's just like, wow, because the, the amount of gratitude that I have now for each and every experience that I have encountered moments each day is just like, wow. And really, my, my past really made me appreciate the present moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There would never be a now if there weren't a then. There would never yeah. be a now if there were not a then. You know, and so, yes, we definitely appreciate it then. Now, when when we were going through the then, which was then back then, now we didn't appreciate the now that we were going through back then. But now that we've gone through the then and we're here in the now, we can look back at the then and understand that we had to go back to that then and experience that then so that we can truly appreciate the now. To go for it. You just have to have courage. I feel like oftentimes I was giving myself the fastest no's. You know, before I would start something or before I would go after an opportunity, I will give myself the no. I will start constructing reasons why it couldn't happen, why it couldn't be me, you know. And then it's just like, but why, why can't it be you? You know, did they tell you that or did you tell yourself that? Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Why can't it? So let me, where do you think those, this can't be me, I can't do that came from? From past experiences and, you know, as, as you grow, just emerging into my adulthood, I'm an adult now, even though I don't feel like it at time, mm-hmm. but just childhood, we internal, internalize a lot of voices that aren't ours, whether that be voices of caregivers or friends or relatives that are just trying to protect us. But through that protection, they don't see the harm that they're doing as well by invalidating feel, feelings or minimizing beliefs because their own beliefs are limited, you know? Mm-hmm. They can only they can only guide us as far as they've come. And a lot of them haven't come far enough to really be, be a true guide, right? A true loving, caring guide. And let me just say, when she said we hear a lot of voices for just anybody out there who may be listening, who suffers a severe, severe mental illness, which also includes psychotic features. We're not talking about auditory visual hallucinations here. We are talking about the voices of the past, the voices, um, the, the the pain that we carry from things that tr- that truly, really was traumatic for us in in this trauma response, a trauma response, so that we never experience that pain again. Our brain, our minds, to begin to develop a game plan called a limiting belief in order to prevent that event from happening again. You know, you'll never make it as whatever, and so you never try. You know, and if you never tried it, you have to you don't have to worry about the pain, maybe failing in this area or that area. But we have to remember to always tell our mind it's not about one battle. It's about the war. Again, on the same page, on the same frequency, what happens is we don't take from each other when you're on the same frequency. You give to each other. And so you build up one another. And so where when you get two people together, that's that's electrifying. You know, when you can get that type of connection, you get three people on the same frequency. Oh my goodness! Now you're ready. You're really ready to take over some stuff, you know. And so that's when these these synchronicities or these quote unquote coincidences that the mind cannot explain away these coincidences occur, you know. And that's how you know that you are on. For me, I use that as a guide that I'm on the right path, you know. That's 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 pretty much it. What is your compass? Well, I said, y'all, I didn't say a name. Conscious, do you have a compass? And then, Danielle, I would like to know, do you have an internal compass, like your own system through which you follow, you know, make decisions where you really don't know? They got, you had a fork in the road, you know? What's y'all's compass? I'm going to let you go first. (laughs) Okay. So often, often, I was going to actually, I was going to ask about synchronicities because I wanted to know what was that definition for you guys? Because for Mm -hmm. me, synchronicities, I I can have synchronicities with numbers. And I have them quite often, all the time. 
where I will see a series of numbers, of patterns of numbers, and they will show up at times where it's like, oh, this is what this means for me at the time. And I can validate that because I've had experiences where it's like really stressed and these numbers will pop up for me. If I, mm. I feel doubt, then these numbers will pop up for me. If I'm doing mm. good, then I kind of get like a like a high five in a way. And it's just like, yeah. And aside from mm. that, just having courage as well, like, and faith. Faith is a big one, a big, 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 big one. <laughs> And it shows up every day. Faith mm. really shows up every day where I would look back at times where I was like, yeah, I'm not going to make it out this one. Like, this is the one. This is it. Like, and then I'll mm. find a way and I'll, mm. I'll be out. So then the next time when I was, I'm facing another time where it's just like, yeah, no, this is the one. Like, and by that, I mean, it's more so like in like school, school work, being a college student is really difficult, especially now in a, in a mm. pandemic. And I am first generation. So it's kind of like I'm figuring it out on my own like there's nobody I can turn to and be like oh well there is there are people but in, in my immediate family where I can just turn to and just be like oh I need help with this or do you understand this or they often don't understand the struggles the hardships the day-to-day life of you know just that comes with being a college student which is fine it's okay <laughs> Do you tell your time what to do or does your time tell you what to do? Are you living or are you merely existing? Are you constantly reacting or are you responding to life? Mixed beliefs create confusion and confusion creates a life of stagnation. Desire your change? Visit www.becomingoutlier.com slash about to start your journey. Stay tuned for more episodes and keep listening to the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. The content on the School of Outliers podcast, websites, social media, and webinars are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. No statement on this website, affiliates, websites, webinars, and any other mode of communication or contact are intended to imply that any person should seek services or treatment or used in place of treatment recommended by an accredited healthcare provider. Any medical questions you have concerning topics addressed on this website or in webinars should be directed to a healthcare professional.